Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Content Classroom, a podcast created and produced by the Virginia Council for the Social Studies, where we connect expert analysis on a specific topic related to social studies and then supplement that analysis with guidance from master teachers on how to apply it in the classroom. I'm your host, Sam Futrell, and we are so glad that you're joining us today. So today you'll be listening to my interview with David Olson, the Director of Education for Retro Report. Prior to joining Retro Report, David was an award-winning teacher of U.S. history, AP U.S. government, and politics and criminal justice at a public high school in Madison, Wisconsin. His expertise and passion for teaching social studies shines through on this episode as he shares what Retro Report does and how to incorporate it into your social studies classroom. We also discuss how to reinforce the relevance of historical content with current events and some strategies on how to get students interested in learning about the things happening in their world right now. This was such a great conversation, and I'm especially excited for you all to hear about the new paid, yes, that's right, I said paid, opportunities David has set up for teachers at Retro Report, which you can hear about closer to the end of the episode. Those opportunities, as well as the other resources we mentioned in the episode, are linked in our show notes as well. And now, David Olson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Content Classroom. My name is Sam Futrell, and I am here today with David Olson from Retro Report. Hi, David. Hello. So happy to be here, Sam. Yeah, we are so excited to have you on and to hear everything that you have to tell us about Retro Report. We are really, really excited about this. Um, I mean, before we start, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to Retro Report? Yeah, absolutely. Happy to happy to do so. And uh, thank you again for for having me on, giving me this this marvelous platform of all of these wonderful uh, Virginia social studies teachers, and I mean your your listeners across the country. We won't neglect them either. Um, so my name is David Olson. I am the director of education at Retro Report. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about Retro Report in a moment, but first uh, about me. I think the most important thing, you know, on a podcast called Content to Classroom. Uh, for people to know about me is that I, I come from the classroom. Um, I actually had spent uh, most of the last 15 plus years and all of the last 11 years uh, teaching in a classroom. So um, prior to joining Retro Report, which I did this last summer, um, I was a high school social studies teacher. I, um, I taught a number of different courses. Um, I was also department chair. So those of your those of your listeners who are department chairs, they will also know like, oh yeah, you probably taught a whole bunch of things because department chairs often go, okay, what's that one class that's left over that I need to pick up and, and take one for the team. But um, I, the things I taught most were uh, AP, US government and politics, um, I taught modern US history, um, I taught a criminal justice elective, which I had created. And then over, you know, all of those years, I also dabbled in a bunch of other things. I taught some world history. I taught some ethnic studies. I taught ancient civilizations of all things, which, uh, you know, God bless the social studies teachers who, who teach that and figure out how to make it wonderful. I, I was not among them. So um, I come from the classroom. Uh, I taught at a number of different levels, but mostly at the high school level. Um, and I also have done a, a ton of work, especially over the last few years in the civic and history education realm. So um, I've done a lot of work with uh, groups like the National Constitution Center and iCivics and uh, PBS and Civics 101 podcast and PBS NewsHour and uh, just like you, you know, you're you're part of the Virginia Council for the Social Studies. I'm on the board for the Wisconsin Council for the Social Studies. Um, so I make my home here in Madison, Wisconsin, where I've been for quite a while. Quite a while now. I'm I'm a Upper Midwesterner, uh, born and raised, and and at heart here. Um, so yeah, that's that's my background in the classroom and as an educator. I decided. Uh, you know, last spring that I was going to take a leap. I was going to, I was going to try something new 
as long as uh, it, it met some really key criteria. And those criteria were, I still wanted to be involved and connected to social studies education, uh, in particular history and civics. Um, I, I, you know, another reason I ended up choosing to, to make the leap to retro report is I don't have to sell anybody anything. Um, I work for this amazing organization that makes short form documentary films about all sorts of really cool things. Um, they find ways to link past and present, to, to talk about current events and give it historical context. And I get to make stuff for free for teachers and then go connect with teachers and tell them, hey, here's how you can use this in your classroom. Um, so for me, as someone who was not looking to leave the classroom, uh, this opportunity presented itself. I was like, this is a, this is a challenge I, I wanna take on um, and find new ways to, to connect with educators and, and support what all of you do in your classrooms. That's really, really important. Amazing. Well, and I always, I'm curious, did, uh, did you just like sort of stumble upon Retro Report, like in terms of your job search or how did that sort of come about? I love to hear about how people got their different jobs in the social yeah. studies, especially because like, let's be real. A lot of teachers are feeling a little burnout right now and Always they might be there. looking for something different. So yeah. how did you sort of come about um, your position? Absolutely. Um, so several years ago, I made the really good decision of joining Twitter. Um, I actually did it as, as, a, as part of this really expansive project uh, that I had my students do in AP government where they like ran a mock campaign and did all of this stuff. And I'm like, all right, I need to be on Twitter so I can you know, monitor what my students are putting out there. Um, and slowly but surely over the course of several years, I, I got connected to the world of teacher Twitter. Um, I got connected to the you know, social studies chat and uh, all of these other wonderful organizations that, that bring teachers together um, on the internet. And when people deride Twitter and talk about you know, how toxic an environment is, I always think of like, no, that's where like, my teacher friends are. That's where I, that's where I go to get lesson ideas and, and connect with people. And it's, it's an amazing place. Um, and, and it was there that, you know, I first found Retro Report, found some of their films, and then saw their, their job posting. And, and to be very honest, like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't actively searching for a, a career change and a giant move. This was the kind of thing in the back of my head. I was like, all right, maybe five, 10 years down the line, leading an organization that focuses on, on history and civic education, like that would be really cool. Um, but I, I stumbled across this job posting. It was the first time, and, and I'm guessing your listeners can relate to this as they've searched for jobs where, you know, you look at the bullet points of like, here's what we want this person to do. And most of the time we look at those and, and go like, oh, there's a couple of those. I, I think I can, this was the first one I had ever looked at and was like, I can do all these things. I've done all these things that they want, want me to do. And I actually think I'm pretty good at most of these things. So again, I, it was one of those things. I saw it. It seemed like a great fit. And I was like, well, let's, let's apply. Let's, let's see what happens here. And um, really to, to their credit, like, I guess I compare this and, and really what your listeners would compare it to is like, when you apply for teaching jobs, applying for a job not in the education space, it, it's, it's different, right? Um, in the teaching job world, it's like, okay, do I have the you know, three letters of recommendation lined up? Have I, have I filled out like this onerous, whatever statewide portal and all of these things? And, and, and for Retro Report, it was, hey, here's my resume. Here's you know, you're looking for someone who can create some content and for somebody who's done outreach with, uh, with, with teachers. Um, so it was like, hey, here's, here's some lessons I've written for places like PBS or the National Constitution Center. Here's a link to a, a webinar I helped host. Um, this, this is what I can do. Um, and and that, so that was it. There was no like 
weird onerous online portal and, and all of that. And then um, they're actually like, I had several rounds of interviews where I got to, to meet with, you know, people that I would end up working with um, who, you know, would ask me questions about, you know, what's, what's your style of leadership and tell us about when you've done some of these different things. And um, I, I have done a ton of interviewing, you know, as department chair. Um, and I just think of like, okay, again, the difference between the education world and the rest of the world. And I know like some of those education interviews are so stifling. Like you have two or three candidates and, you know, in a public institution, I've had a principal tell me like, no, you can't ask follow-up questions because the questions have to be identical for everyone in case, you know, someone brings a lawsuit. And I'm just like, this is insane. What do you mean I can't ask a follow-up question? Like that's, that's ridiculous. So that certainly wasn't the case when it's a private organization. That's like, hey, let's find the best fit for us. So that's a very long-winded answer to your question, Sam, but hopefully it gives, you know, some of those educators out there a little bit of insight. Yeah, no, I love that. And I love that you, you know, had already had sort of like ways to showcase what you had been working on and like you were able to really just display all of your skills like to Retro Report. And I also love that you're plugging Twitter because honestly, I'm on day eight of Twitter. Okay. I'm on day eight. <laughs> I, I started it a, a, a week ago and I don't know about it yet, um, but I, I appreciate your you vouching for it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know so, about it, but Sam, I, I would say for you and and all of the rest of the teachers out there. First, go get connected to some teachers that you trust, um, then ask them, ask those people that you trust. All right. Who else do I need to follow? Um, and oftentimes, I mean, I know a lot of uh, social studies educators who will go, hey, connect with this person. And here's a list of 20 people you need to follow for lesson ideas, for resources, for you know, networking, all of these sorts of things and, and build your network that way. Um, yes, Twitter, just like all of social media can be a horrible caustic place, but the really good thing about Twitter is really what you see is dependent on who you follow, who your network is. So for me, when I log on to Twitter, it's all of this great content related to education and then like some news people that I follow. <laughs> and then I, I grew up, so I live in Wisconsin, but I, I grew up in Minnesota. So I'm a, I'm a diehard Minnesota sports fan. So then it's like the writers and people who cover my favorite sports teams. So I, you know, that's my Twitter world. My, my Twitter world doesn't really involve, you know, Russian bots and, uh, you know, people who want to, you know, shame you for all sorts of things like that's That's not my Twitter world. My Twitter world is a, is a wonderful, magical place. Yeah. That's what, um, I, I've finally gone on after years of refusing to, because, you know, when you first created an account, which I think no one who has an account that has been going for a while remembers is that it's just chaos. It's just chaos and everything's wild. But my, um, my coworker and very dear friend, uh, Rebecca Odell, she convinced me finally to get on because I'm doing some writing and need to actually be on there for work. Yeah. So it is a good and prosperous place. So everybody follow David on Twitter. That's right. Um, I am, I am at all one word at David John Olson. Uh, D-A-B-I-D-J-O-H-N-O-L-S-O-N. Follow me. I'll, I'll give you a follow back. Uh, okay. You too, Sam. And I, I'll get you connected to some wonderful social studies people on Twitter. Oh man, I really appreciate that. Um, so you work for Retro Report now. You love your job yeah. and uh, you love teaching in the classroom too. But mm -hmm. what exactly is Retro Report? <laughs> Excellent. That is a great question. And Retro Report is still an organization that frankly isn't that well known in the social studies world. So this is a question I get a lot. I, people come up to me at conferences and go, I've never heard of this. What is this thing? So Retro Report was started about nine years ago as, as sort of a, a passion project in, in the news world, um, a way to, to try to take a longer form or a longer look at the news to say, hey, 
there are all of these stories that people have sort of forgotten about? Whatever happened to those? Like, did, did we get the reporting right? Are there things we should have learned from this story that like just got lost because the story disappeared? Um, and so what's happened over the last nine years is Retro Report has done that. They followed up on some of these stories of the past. And it's also morphed into this, this sort of larger look at, at the news and at history of finding ways. So the way I usually explain it is a, a typical Retro Report story uh, goes one of two ways. It either says there was this story that was that happened in the past. What do we need to know about it and know about it? And why is it relevant to us today? What what's the takeaway? Why should we go back and, and pay attention to this? Or the retro report story goes, there's this thing happening now. What's the historical backstory of this? What would actually help us understand this thing today? better um, and not just be like, oh yeah, this is a new story that's happening, but what what are some of the historical precedents and antecedents of this story to help give us you know some actual understanding? And and so Retro Report makes their films that one of the other wonderful things, especially for teachers, is Retro Report makes short form films. So almost all of them are in the like eight to 12 minute range. So they are perfect for classroom use. Um, and so over the past several years, Retro Report had been hearing sort of randomly from teachers of people who've said, hey, I've used your story on the Exxon Valdez spill in my classroom. I've used your story on uh, things that happened in the Cold War in my classroom. I've used this story on historical elections or uh, women's suffrage or voting rights or things like that. Um, and so Retro Report kind of got to the point where they're like, wow, we, we keep hearing from teachers. Maybe we should make a, an actual, you know, this part of our mission, make a, make a push into education. Um, and so what they decided in saying, yep, let's take the leap and actually try to reach teachers is they said, well, we need a teacher to help us do that. So, so my job falls into a couple different buckets. So number one, I get to do fun things like this, uh, where I, I come on a podcast or I go to a conference or I host a webinar um, where I try to do some outreach with teachers where I say, hey, guess what? Not trying to sell you anything, but if you teach history or civics or government or geography or psychology or ELA or environmental science, I probably have some resources you can use. I've got, you know, Retro Report has a library of about 250 films, uh, the vast majority of which belong in a classroom. Um, then, so I get to do that outreach. The second thing I get to do is, is create. So there's a number of these films, and I know we'll talk about some, some more specific resources here in a, in a bit. Um, but when we create new films, or as I go back to look at the film library, um, I get to say, these are perfect for the classroom. And what a teacher needs is some ideas about how to use it in the classroom. Um, that might just be, hey, here are some discussion questions, or it might be, here is a full-fledged lesson plan, and I've created a student activity uh, that you can use. You can make a copy of the Google Doc, plug and play, and, and go nuts. Um, so I get to do some creation. And then I also get to do some advising. Um, as our filmmakers create new films, um, I, I have the pleasure of being able to say like, hey, here's how we can, you know, an angle we could take in this film or something that could be included in this film to make it more likely to be used in the classroom. Or, um, I mean, one of the other things we do, which is pretty unique in uh, the news, journalism, media creation field is our, our library is really a living library. So um, it's our mission to, to go back periodically and see what stories we need to update. Um, one of the stories, I'll talk about the resources for this coming up, uh, but we had a story from 2018 about, uh, about gerrymandering, um, about some of the consequences of how we draw lines, um, some of the reasons it's controversial, especially when, you, when state legislatures are choosing to draw lines uh, in part based on, on issues of race and partisanship. So I, I looked at this film and I was like, man, this, 
this is absolutely a film that in my AP government class would have been a, a slam dunk. But um, I was like, it could use an update. We just had the census. This is a process that's happening literally in every single state in the country right now. Can we, can we give this one a, a tweak? And as a, as a former AP government teacher, can we connect this to, to one of the required cases uh, for AP government? Um, and so we got a producer on it. We updated the film. We relaunched the film. I created some materials to go with it. And then I found some other partners to, to host a webinar for educators uh, to say, hey, here's how you can use these resources and a bunch of these other free resources uh, to teach about this in your classroom. So I, I get to do some really cool things uh, and, and basically all of it is how do I solve problems for teachers? Oh, I love all of that. There's so many good things to unpack there. And I, I particularly love what you said about like the kind of the vision of Retro Report having sort of two angles, you know, either it's um, a film about the past and you're using uh, the present to inform your understanding of the past, or it's the opposite where you're using um, the past to help inform what you're learning about in the present. And I think that that's really smart and a really good evaluative way to create these films and these uh, mini documentaries. And I think what is also really amazing, and you said this earlier, it, you know, you said, you said the F word, it's free, like it's free, yeah. right? Like, like, you know, like, which is amazing and just such an incredible resource for teachers. Um, and also all of the lessons that you make for them, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, align with common core C3 mm -hmm. framework. And you have those outlined on those lessons as well. Yes. So a couple, a couple sort of principles of of the lessons that that I'm creating and then we're also you know building out our network of teachers who are doing some of that creation for us and I'll have I'll have much more uh, for us later in the podcast about how you can get involved um, but I uh, so the principles when I go to create materials is that so number one all of this is totally free will always be free um, pretty much the 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 lessons I'll create will include a retro report film, um, which makes sense. But I also, I'm not, I'm not shy about finding other, what I consider uh, to be other really good resources from partners, but they all have to be free. Um, so I'm never gonna stick anything on there that's you know, behind a paywall um, that requires a, a subscription to, to use that service or, or that sort of thing. I also, um, all of the lessons and activities that, that I create, um, I, do, I do them all in Google Docs so that a teacher can very easily make a copy and then make changes. I know as a, as a classroom teacher, I was always on the lookout for great resources, but I pretty much never took someone else's lesson plan and turned around and did it exactly as it was laid out by them and asked exactly the same questions. So normally what that involved was me, you know, with two or three screens or whatever going, okay, I like this question from here, but I like somebody else's question better. And I'm just going to make up this question. And what if we did this with this tool um, and just recreating it myself in, you know, back in, well, the old days, got few years ago, Microsoft Word and now Google Docs and, and that sort of thing. And it always drove me nuts when it was, you know, I was finding people's lesson plans. It was like, oh, PDF, awesome. So I can try to copy and paste stuff from this and it's gonna look all wonky and just be a disaster. So my goal is to make this as user-friendly for teachers as possible. So when they come across lessons and activities at Retro Report, it's gonna be in a Google doc, make a copy and then go, great, I like this section, I'll keep it. You know, Dave, this, this, is a, this was a dumb question, I can ask a better one, I'll substitute something in there. Or I got to this section, I know of a better tool, I'll just take this section out and put in what I wanna use. Um, I want this to be as user-friendly for teachers uh, as I can possibly make it. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not shy about connecting people to other 
really great free resources out there. Um, I do hope that, you know, in this process, they go, oh, Retro Report, you have really good videos and you've really helped us on, you know, the lesson and activity side. Uh, and this will be a place that, that I return to and come back to, to, to try to find more ideas. Yeah. That's great. I think that using Google Docs is so smart. Uh, there is nothing more frustrating than trying to figure out how to, you know, format a PDF yeah. <laughs> into something usable. Um, so what kind of content, is there a particular type of content that you focus on at Retro Reports? Yeah, I would say the, the easiest place to make a connection in the classroom with Retro Report materials would be U.S. history, in particular, more modern U.S. history. So, you know, certainly 20th and 21st century and probably even, you know, post-war era uh, 20th century. Um, we have a lot of materials that are, that are, you know, sort of in that zone. And then also civics and government. But we do have quite a bit of stuff that connects really well to uh, geography, and environmental science um, and sort of the, the connection between, I mean, we have a ton of really good videos about you know, environmental issues and how they intersect with public policy and decisions that human beings decide to make about environmental policy. Um, so I, I see really natural connections there to, hey, how can I connect this to human environment interaction ideas in a geography class? And how can I take these principles in an environmental science class and actually make them applicable to like, hey, here's how human beings have agency and, and make a difference in this. Um, we also, I think we have a handful of really good films uh, looking at psychology issues. Um, and then sort of all over the board. We've got some certainly that work for world history, some that work really well in a, you know, criminal justice. Uh, we have some that, that look at uh, issues with journalism and a free press um, and news and media literacy. So sort of the, the spanning the spectrum of, of social studies, but, but really our home is, is more modern U.S. history and civics and government. Cool. And what would be maybe your favorite lesson plan or activity yeah. or topic sure. that you put together so far? Yeah, so I'll, I'll point real quick to two. So I did mention before we, we had a, a relaunched um, film looking at, at gerrymandering. Um, and so this film, it, it looks at a couple different case studies, uh, a little bit in Pennsylvania, a little bit in North Carolina, um, just really great issues that it grapples with. Um, and so the way I tackled this was, all right, in my government class, what are, what are those key things and sort of the building blocks for students to understand this? And so I built two lessons that, that really build on each other um, and help students understand the process of reapportionment, redistricting, and then these particular times when redistricting becomes problematic and controversial with how we decide to redistrict, which sometimes ends up being gerrymandering. Um, and so I, I think not only does the film provide a really good starting point, but um, I, I found some fantastic resources, including what might be uh, my all-time favorite interactive map that, that I have found. So it's, it's from an organization called New American History. Uh, they're out of the University of Richmond, actually right, right in your backyard, Sam. Um, so they have a, an interactive map called Electing the House. Um, this is, as, as it suggests, an interactive map that looks at every congressional election and every congressional district since oh, the early 1800s. I think it starts with like the 1830s. So you can look, you know, whatever your congressional district is there in Virginia, or I happen to live in the second congressional district in Wisconsin, I can look and see every single election, what the results of that is, have been, how that, has, how that district has changed shape, uh, whether or not that district has gone back and forth in terms of party control. I can see the whole country. I can zoom in on one congressional district. There's a great write-up about every election that sort of gives you the national perspective about it. 
Um, this was this was an interactive tool that I started using, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have used this in uh, U.S. history class. I would have used this in a civics and government class. I would have used this teaching current events. I would have, you know, all of these different ideas. So that was a really fun one to put together. Um, another one that we launched uh, earlier this fall, we actually did a whole collection um, looking at teaching about September 11th. Um, and we had two brand new films, um, one of which was uh, looking at uh, the experiences of first responders. Uh, these it was profiled a, a handful of New York City police officers who had gone into the North Tower uh, we're in the North Tower as it collapsed, but but managed to make it out alive. Um, and then another brand new film that very timely looked at sort of the 20-year the arc of the war in Afghanistan, sort of how it began after September 11th, and then, you know, the, the trials and tribulations, ups and downs uh, along the way until the pullout from Afghanistan. And, and to accompany the that one, the, the look at the 20-year war in Afghanistan, um, I asked students, uh, the, the lesson has them uh, engage in a structured academic controversy. So uh, looking at this question of, was the United States right to pull out of Afghanistan when it did uh, this, this past fall, um, and, and look at it from a number of different perspectives, um, a number of articles written sort of right at that time, and then have students sort of develop their, their own idea and argument um, and supporting details, and then work with a partner to see, okay, can we come to some sort of consensus about, about what we believe? Um, and I've had really good feedback from teachers uh, on that particular lesson who've said they, they've used it. It was really engaging with students. Um, and it's, it's that sort of thing that I think at Retro Report, we, we do well, right? This is saying, here's a thing happening now. What's the history behind this that's important for us to know? How can we look to history to give us context but still understand that like, we need to learn about what's happening in our world in this moment. We'll be right back after this quick break. And now back to the show. As you mentioned, Retro Report focuses you know, on modern U.S. history, uh, and with that, obviously, you're focusing on current events as well. And you mentioned before we even met today that you have, you know, a really, um, you find it very important to use current events in the classroom with students, and I think a lot of teachers can really resonate with that. So can you just explain just maybe a little bit, like, I think that while everyone would say, yes, it is important <laughs> to yeah. bring current events into the classroom, I think sometimes we need a little bit more on the why to justify yeah. to maybe some of our supervisors who might mm -hmm. be more um, looking on historical content and like pushing that historical content in the classroom. Yeah. I, I am happy to tell you both the why and the how uh, of, you know, of current events in the classroom. And, I, to be honest, from, from a teacher perspective, the reason I think that current events are so important in the classroom is it answers the number one most important question that you are going to get from students, which is, why do I have to learn this? Why do I need to know this thing? You know, why is this something that you think we got to spend 50 minutes on today? Um, if you can connect students to their world now, you have answered that question, right? So in my mind, and, and perhaps this is why as a uh, ancient civilizations teacher, I, I maybe struggled a little bit more than when I was teaching, you know, government, criminal justice, modern US history, right? Because it was a little bit trickier, not impossible by any means, but a little trickier, right? But to me, it pays dividends in engagement, in understanding, and for students to be able to see why what they're learning actually matters. Um, there are so many times 
in you know my teaching career where we we you know laid that groundwork we spent time a little bit of time every day talking about current events and things would come up in the content and kids would go oh this is like blah 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 right this is i you know i understand why we're looking at uh cuban missile crisis like now i understand you know why it was controversial when obama said people could travel there again it's like yeah it's because these things are important, right? These things happen today and have a legacy and have meaning uh, in our classrooms. Um, so to me, that, that why is if you want students not only to be engaged on a daily basis and figure out like, how can I make these connections to my real world? Um, this, this is the way to do it, at least, at least in my mind. Um, and and some of the some of the how um, I, I will tell you I I pretty much started every single day of the vast majority of my classes asking my students the same question. I would ask my students what's going on in the world. What do we need to know? Okay. Um. And and sometimes it started a little slow, right? Students go, I don't I don't know what you tell us, Olson. You're you're the one who's the teacher right? But you got to stick with it, right? So some, some little tricks I would have is, you know, I was blessed with, you know, for a while, a Promethean board, and then like a big TV. And I would just have, you know, the Washington Post, or our local newspaper, or, you know, uh, BBC, uh, or some other news outlet, I would just have their homepage up on the screen. So that as students came in, they would go, oh, I heard about this. What, what's the deal with this thing? Or I, you know, I was driving in the car with my parents this morning. I heard about this on the radio. I want to talk about this, right? Um, I also, I really liked, so the Washington Post for a long time on their homepage had these just like little snippets of keywords or things that were searched. And sometimes they would be ridiculous and students would be, and this was, this is how I could tell, like you're actually looking at the screen, you're paying attention. They'd go, what is that thing like why is that trending and then it'd be like okay let's click let's find out this is we're all gonna learn together on this um and, and so being able to repeat that to to sort of go back to that well on a daily basis make it an expectation that we're going to we're gonna discuss what's in the news for a couple minutes because i can guarantee you teachers that you're going to come back to these things they're going to be relevant in your classroom so couple couple tricks for you so number one start with that question every single day um you might have to prime the pump a little bit you might have to come with some stories ready to go um another good one that i love to do especially at the beginning of the year or the beginning of semester or coming back from a break grab some butcher paper stick it on a table with a, a group of four students or whatever say okay give me three columns i need you know i would do this especially at the beginning of the year i would say since you left school uh for summer break i need a column everything you can think of that was important that happened in our city and state things that happened in the country things that happen in the world you've got 20 minutes i need your collective brain power to give me a list Okay, and then we would go around the room and compare and and this this was a great way to show students like okay yes we we have you know people have been paying attention we've heard about some things, it was a way to begin to dispel some some rumors or some false news or some misunderstanding uh, about you know things happening in the world that that students sort of understood but but not quite. Um, so there, there's some great tricks you can use to, to sort of get this started. Then going a little further, I liked to incorporate this into, you know, some authentic assessments. Um, I, I can think of a, a great example in uh, the modern US history class I, I used to teach. Um, we, would, we would sort of have three main units. And in the first unit, we would, the sort of big question we would ask is, what's the what's the role of the government in people's lives and, and what should it be um and, and during this time period you know we're looking at 
at things like the Great Society programs. Uh, we're looking at, uh, you know, Reagan's presidency and Reaganomics changes to the welfare system, um, all of these sorts of issues. We're looking at other, you know, hot button topics um, in, in the world and in the news, like issues with gun control and abortion and marijuana and, and all of these things where it's like, what are our rights? What are, you know, what sort of things can the government do? How do we decide what our rules and policies and laws ought to be? And so when it, when it came time to, you know, the end of that unit, um, I would pose a, a current issue uh, to students and say, okay, this thing's in the news. Tell me, how would uh, someone, you know, who, how would Lyndon Johnson approach this? How would Ronald Reagan approach this or people on those different ends of the political spectrum? And, and why? What did we learn about history that could apply to uh, these things happening today? Um, we would do it again when we got to foreign policy, right? We would say, okay, let's look at issues of uh, Vietnam and September 11th and uh, the end of the Cold War and all of these, like what motivated the United States in all of these different interactions? Um, you know, what decisions, actions did we decide to take? And I would say, okay, let's look at US and North Korea or US and Iran or whatever and say, okay, based on what you've learned from these other interactions, these other case studies, what should the United States do? What are, what are our motivations? Um, what actions might achieve the outcomes that we want and why? How can you draw upon history to make sense in this moment? Um, and then sometimes you can go even, even bigger issue than that. Um, I, taught a, I taught a class called uh, US and World Affairs, which essentially was, was kind of like a a global current events kind of course where it really was our job to, to look at the news and figure out what was happening uh, in the world. And we would do a, a mock uh, presidential cabinet simulation um, where we'd say, okay, here's this issue. We did one looking at uh, North Korea and nuclear weapons. We did one looking at uh, uh, the war in Yemen. Um, and we would say, okay, we would have people uh, portray different roles. So we'd have uh, a secretary of state and secretary of energy and uh, the attorney general and, you know, all these people. And then they would have their little teams, their undersecretaries, and they would, they would uh, investigate this problem from, you know, that point of view, you know, what's, what might be different for the defense department as opposed to the state department when looking at North Korea. And then they would propose to the president, say, here's what we think you should do. And the president would, you know, go through this process of, of asking these questions and saying, okay, well, what would happen if we did this? What would happen if we did this? Um, and it really was a way to bring current events to life with, uh, you know, really strong inquiry with uh, writing and research skills and, and really you know, developing these, these wonderful skills for students and making it very, very real for them, uh, making it feel like, you know, they had some, some skin in the game and that, you know, they were actually analyzing the same things that the real policymakers and decision makers were, were analyzing. Uh, so many good ideas. Holy cow, I'm totally stealing the butcher paper idea. That so one fun. is just really fun. Such a good like warm up to get back mm -hmm. from break too. I'm totally gonna do that after the holidays. I'll send you, I'll take a picture and put it on Twitter. How about that? Oh, that'd that? be awesome. There we go. Um, and I'll tag you. Um, and I also, I mean, I love all of them, but everyone who's listened to this podcast knows I love a good simulation. I am mm -hmm. totally gonna do a simulation like that. That sounds really, really fun. Um, I love to do like any sort of foreign policy-based uh, simulation. So that sounds really fun. A mock presidential cabinet. I haven't done that yet, but that sounds like it's it a, would be. It's a good time. It's a good yeah, time. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a good time. I may add just one of my own, just if I may, is yeah. um, one thing that I love to do um, that sort of gets my, um, my artistic kids involved is I love to have them do editorial cartoons of oh, nice. a current event. 
and it can be anything. I always tell them like, you know, anything that's happening right now that you find interesting is what interests other people too. So, you know, and it's a good way to get them sort of browsing and brainstorming. And then we usually look at a mentor text. Uh, Today, we looked at Patrick Chappette. I can not sure if that's how you say his last name from the New York times um, and used him as a mentor text to try to get some of those cartoonist techniques going. It's a Mm -hmm. really fun way to reinforce argumentation, but in a illustrative way rather than in just using language. So it's kind of fun. And it's analyzing political cartoons requires so many skills of students and and that's the sort of thing like practicing that builds so much comprehension um and an analytical skill I, political cartoons are are fantastic um and i i noticed this even with you know my own children i have i have two daughters 12 and 10 um and when i'm probably like the last person in my age bracket to still get a physical newspaper delivered to my home. But like when I look at the newspaper and, you know, my daughter comes over and it's like, what is this about? And it's like, Ooh, all right. So let's see, can we identify who are the people? And, you know, she'd be like, well, that's Joe Biden. Okay. It's like, awesome. All right. What, what is this elephant? Why is Okay. Let's talk about what, what does the elephant represent? Why, why might that be here? What's happening in this? You know, how is, how is Joe Biden depicted? What, what does that tell us? Um, and, and it's the kind of thing that really you can start building these skills with people all with students all across the board, right? Like obviously your upper level high school students should have more background knowledge to understand this, but students to understand like what's the emotion I should be feeling from a cartoon is something you could do with elementary school kids and have it be meaningful um, and, and have them get something out of it. So it's a, it's a wonderful strategy that really cuts across age and skill ranges. Yeah. And it's so fun to just have them be able to create something of their own and to really, you know, have them take a chance on trying to, you know, do what an actual historian or journalist does, which is create maybe some of these cartoons. Um, But yeah, they're always a really good time too. Um, So we're kind of getting to the end here of our discussion. And, you know, I think it's hard to talk about current events and right now just with all of the pushback teachers have been getting, um, particularly social studies teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually, I I put this question in here because of my personal experience and maybe it's not the case for everyone, but I actually had a parent ask me how I teach current events because Mm -hmm. of the debate going on surrounding CRT right now. Um, And it's a fair question, you know, because I think that what parents want to know is that their students are being taught and encouraged how to think, Mm -hmm. you know, for themselves and how to think about the world around them, right? Um, So like, what advice uh, might you give from you, from Retro Report on how to kind of like face any sort of pushback teachers may encounter regarding teaching current events? Um, and regarding kind of like this whole mess that's going on right yeah. now in the news. And I, I, I hear you, I feel for you. I, I, you know, I am definitely empathetic for teachers everywhere who are dealing with all sorts of different things that they, they really shouldn't have to, that, uh, um, you know, I, I would say the, the vast, vast, vast majority of teachers, especially social studies teachers that I've encountered in my lifetime, um, want to do right by students. They want to encourage students to think for themselves, to be analytical, to be good consumers of information, including and especially the news. Um, and, and right now, that is being challenged in many, many places. I do think that the right resources can help. Um, and, and in particular with issues around like this that, that involve uh, particularly controversies where, where we're looking at, at race, ethnicity, class, privilege, all of those sorts of things. Um, 
finding resources where you can hear from the people as opposed to a talking head as opposed to i mean i think the biggest fear for for teachers is that the kid goes home and says my teacher said this right so really finding good video resources finding good articles that involve interviews i think are ways to, to at least begin to diffuse some of this right if you find and this you know I'm here to plug Retro Report, but you know, I, I love Retro Report. We're not the only ones out there doing really good work, but Retro Report does a really good job of finding people to tell their own stories, to find these really great interviews where people say, this is my experience, right? We, we are not, uh, we do not make films where it's, hey, here's the narrator storyteller filtering everything for you and telling you what to think. It is, let's hear from a variety of people who have different points of view and different life experiences and hear directly from them, right? That eliminates the, I heard my teacher say, it becomes, yeah, we watched the thing we heard from this person who said, this is their experience. It was also followed with someone else who said, well, this is my experience and here's how it was different. Um, those things, those sorts of resources are the ones that, that get students to become empathetic, to go, yes, there are people who have different experiences than me. They've told me about them. They've said, this is why it impacts them and has made a difference in their life. And uh, it allows students to then, you know, filter make judgments analyze a variety of different experiences not this is what my teacher told me um, i think that's the that's the biggest fear and, and the quickest thing that's going to cause problems for teachers is is when somebody goes well the teacher said this it's like no 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 we watched the video the video had a bunch of different uh points of view and i'm happy to share it with you Right. That's that's what that's where we got our information uh, and got our different points of view to analyze this issue. Yep, I love that. And you know, when we posed this question to facing history and um, our VDOE contact, uh, Christania Brown, they said something so similar. You know, like go to the sources. You know, and let the sources speak for themselves and then just help the kids learn how to think for themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And then if you can do that, then, you know, you're doing the right thing. And like you said, you know, just having the right resources around you uh, can be just such a good help for that. And Retro Report is definitely one of those, so. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much being on today's episode yeah. I, I just appreciated meeting you so much and i really enjoy talking with you yeah likewise yeah um i think before we leave we're always curious do you have any projects or things that you're working on right now or any sort of retro report initiatives that you want to yes. plug before we leave uh, i absolutely do because we we actually have like big important really cool things in the works so first thing i'll start with is um, we want to work with teachers. Um, we want to network with teachers. We want to connect with teachers, learn from teachers. Um, and so one of the ways we're going to do that is we're actually in the process of creating some teacher advisory groups. Um, so we have two different groups that we're forming. Each have sort of a, a different level of responsibility, but the great thing, and, and I'm going to steal from uh, a person I, I love dearly, another colleague in the civic education space, uh, Curry Sautner, who is the, uh, the chief learning officer at the National Constitution Center. Um, she always says, you got to treat teachers like professionals. You would never call up your plumber and say, hey, take a look at this for me, uh, fix my sink and then not pay them. So you got to pay teachers. If you're going to bring in teachers to say, hey, we need a lesson. Help us figure out how to do this better. You got to pay teachers. So for both of our, our groups, 
we have a stipend that's that's available for participation. Um, one of our groups are what we're calling our Council of Educators, which will be sort of a core group of 20 people um, from you know a variety of different disciplines, parts of the country, that sort of thing. Um, we have a $500 stipend. I'm in the midst right now of, of planning a, a couple day meeting where we're gonna bring people out to New York City where we're headquartered uh, for you know some time to work together, to get to know each other, to figure out what our, our goals for the year are. Um, and then another group, our ambassador group where uh, we have a $250 stipend. They're really gonna be our sounding board group where we say, hey, we're developing these projects you know, what feedback can you give us about how they're gonna work? What resources do you need us to create to make your life easier in the classroom? So um, please visit us, apply to be part of, of one of our groups. Uh, we need some great educators, including some, some great teachers in Virginia to, to join us. Um, along with that, we, we actually were recently awarded um, one of the Teaching with Primary Sources grants through the Library of Congress. Um, we're actually putting together a three-part webinar series this spring looking at uh, the Cold War in Latin America. Um, as someone who has taught the Cold War in a U.S. history course and in a world history course, I can tell you Latin America does not get enough attention, right? You teach it from a U.S. or global perspective, you go like, hey, this is happening in Europe. It sort of spills over to some places in Asia. We got the Cuban Missile Crisis, we're out, right? Well, no, it had a huge impact on Latin America. So um, we're, we're putting together, a, like I said, a three-part series really designed both for US history and for world history teachers. Um, some of the primary sources we're using are actually, hearkening back earlier to our conversation, uh, a really great collection of political cartoons um, to help students analyze uh, these, these issues and this history. Um, and we've got a, a stipend for participating in this one as well. Um, so uh, for teachers who are interested in that, we, we would love to have you. Um, we also, um, we're in sort of the early stages of, of planning um, a program looking at uh, immigration. This is something that, you know, if you teach U.S. history in particular, no matter what period of U.S. history, you are talking about immigration. And in my point of view, it's, it's definitely one of the places where you should be linking history and the present, right? If you can't figure out a way to connect, uh, you know, immigration in the colonial times, immigration, you know, post-World War or post-Civil uh, War, if you can't connect the great migration uh, to some of these, like if you can't connect it to today, it's probably because you don't have the right resources. So let's let's help you find the right resources. So um, we're in the beginning stages of planning for that, but that will also be this spring. The easiest way to, to hear about all of these things is to connect uh, with us, get on our, our newsletter. So I only send you one email a week. It comes to your inbox Monday mornings. Um, you can join us. There's a, a bit.ly for it. It's bit.ly slash rrnewsed, R-R-N-E-W-S-E-D, rrnewsed. That'll get you signed up for our newsletter. Um, and then you'll be able to sign up for all of these, not only free programs, but even some of these things where we're going to pay you uh, to, to learn and to, to use some of these resources. Oh, dang. I'm going to be applying for some of these. Um, that Cold War in Latin America one, whew, that gave me chills. That's like my favorite. That's my favorite thing. I love it. I'm obsessed with the Cold War um, and the Cold War in Latin America with like Guatemala and Nicaragua, like all of these. Like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. Um, this is so cool. Um, and dang, don't we all just love to get paid for our work? I think <laughs> it's just the best thing. So I cannot even tell you how much I, I speak for everyone when we say we appreciate you valuing us and paying us for our work. So that is amazing. That's that's what happens when you when you hire a teacher to do outreach and work with teachers is you go, yes. ooh, I I understand and I'm here to try to make your life easier. That's the goal. Absolutely. I love it. Well, David, thank you so much again for speaking with me today. Um, just one more time. Do you mind saying your Twitter um, handle? Yeah. 
So you can find me. It's all one word at David John Olson, D-A-V-I-D-J-O-H-N-O-L-S-O-N. Um, so yeah, find me there. Visit us. Uh, the Retro Report website is just retroreport.org. Um, if you want to get just to the education side, it's retroreport.org slash education. Um, so come find us. Look, Check out the, the great library of films we have. Check out the, the growing library of additional classroom resources we have. Uh, apply for our teacher groups. Come join us on webinars. Um, we, we got stuff for you. It's all free and uh, we're just giving it away. Amazing. We love it. Um, well, listeners, don't forget to follow the Virginia Council for the Social Studies on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Our handle is VA Social Studies, all one word. You can also follow me on Twitter now, eight days going strong, um, at Sam underscore Futrell uh, one, uh, because apparently there are 10,000 people in the world named Sam Futrell. So, uh, <laughs> so if you liked today's episode, everybody, please like and subscribe and give us a five-star review as it helps others find our podcast. I'm Sam Petrell. This was David Olson from Retro Report, and we will see you next time.